Welcome to the Voice Over Work podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services. Today is Saturday, August 14th, 2021. On the podcast today, we take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at How to Think Critically, Question, Analyze, Reflect, Debate, The Critical Thinker, Book 6, written by Albert Rutherford, narrated by Russell Newton. Chapter 1. What is Critical Thinking? At its core, critical thinking is the ability to look at things logically, to put together, to form judgments, and make decisions. Critical thinking was popularized in the critical thinking movement of the 1980s, which was born from the belief that the rote memorization methods in schools were not the best way to teach students. Instead, the movement suggested that children learn better when they can be hands-on, learning by doing and discovering concepts themselves. From that point onward, education became not just about imparting information through incantations and repetition and expecting it to be absorbed, but about teaching the students how to find their own connections and meaning from lessons, making them active participants in the process of learning, rather than just recitation machines. The results were improved long-term memorization and strengthened skills that would be valuable for employers, ensuring that students graduated not just with knowledge, but with the tools to build that comprehension even further and grow and learn for the rest of their lives. Clearly, the movement was onto something, as the evolution to schooling was lasting and remains apparent in education even today, showing no signs of going out of style anytime soon. From teachers to business executives and political leaders, most people continue to seek critical thinking as an essential skill that students need in order to be successful in the workplace and in life. But some people are much better at it than others. Those who look at solving problems with hard facts and statistics who listen to people's wild stories with a critical ear, who fact-check and source their material, and who ask frequent questions are good critical thinkers. These people are stronger at debating because they come up with evidence that is harder to argue against and are more willing to look at another viewpoint. Chapter 2. Why is critical thinking so challenging? Our minds are made to think but the way they think can be altered with practice. Because stereotypes and biases are a way of shortcutting our thinking, our brains see them as the more efficient thought process and will rely heavily on them when left to their own devices. In comparison, research, skepticism, formulating questions, and other aspects of critical thinking take much more brain power and require our minds to work harder. To our minds, This is like deciding between going for a short walk or taking on a marathon. The walk seems much more doable and less strenuous, but if we practice running enough, the marathon will not be that difficult. Likewise, if we work our critical thinking muscles, our brain will find them more natural to use and those longer paths will be worn in and made more accessible and welcoming. It takes a lot of effort to get to this point just like it takes a lot of work to be able to run a marathon, but it will slowly become easier and easier with practice. Plus, the benefits are extraordinary. 
We can learn to break away from our biases and have a more open mind, allowing us to communicate and explore ideas rather than becoming stuck in the same old cycles of reasoning. Non-critical, weakly critical, and strongly critical thinking. Critical thinking can be difficult because it's not black and white. Good reasoning comes in varying degrees. Sometimes your approach or another's will be better than other times, but that's okay. If you can recognize the difference between a critical approach and a non-critical approach and be able to use your own critical thinking energy wisely. Being a good critical thinker is about taking the Chapter 3, The Essentials of Critical Thinking. Because critical thinking is seen as such an essential skill and has been found to be so beneficial, it's been studied in depth by experts in the field who have identified its main components. From this more easy-to-understand and simplified approach to the topic, several techniques have arisen. The Seven Steps to Better Critical Thinking Psychologists Carol Wade and Carol Tavris are two such experts who became known for their contributions in bringing critical thinking into the world of psychology education. After years of research, the two came up with seven main facets that can be broken down into steps for improving your reasoning. Step 1. Question almost everything. Questioning things isn't just about pointing out what's wrong or disproving something. It's about learning more about it. Ask questions to get a deeper understanding, to uncover a new perspective, or to make new discoveries. Questioning requires that you allow your mind to wander when information is posed, letting it meander through possible streams of thought while trying to steer it towards new and unanswered theories. Then consider, why was this part of the problem or theory previously ignored? How did we end up where we are? What's wrong here? Why is this the way it is instead of another way? These questions will help to guide you in predicting whether a path of thought is worth pursuing or not. Step 2. Articulate the question. Allowing your mind to probe an idea is one thing, but nailing down that idea and forming it into something fully developed is a whole other level of difficulty. Yet, it is a necessary step. Only by creating that question... Chapter 4. Emotions, Assumptions, and Biases There's a story from ancient times about Socrates standing at the gates of Athens with a young Plato when a young wayfarer walked by. As he walked past, the wayfarer asked Socrates, Tell me, old man, how are the people of Athens? I heard that people here are quite unfriendly and treacherous. You're right, Socrates replied. People you'll meet in Athens will be unfriendly and treacherous. The stranger frowned, took a deep breath, and headed toward the city in a foul mood. A few minutes later, another wayfarer arrived at the town gates and asked Socrates, Tell me, old man. How are the people of Athens? I heard that people here are very welcoming and amicable. You're right, said Socrates. People you'll meet in Athens will be welcoming and amicable. As the second visitor entered the city with a smile on his face, the young Plato couldn't contain his curiosity. Master, you told a lie to one of these people. You presented Athens in quite different ways. I didn't lie to either of them, said Socrates. 
What they believe, they shall find. Moods and Thinking This story speaks to human nature and our tendency to accept what we assume and anticipate. More often than not, our mood is the deciding factor of how we approach or experience things. Our emotions are so powerful that they change our perspective about the information around us. Yet we may never even realize the extent of how much our thoughts affect our reality. When someone asks us what we think about something, we often answer with how we feel rather than with logical statements. This is an unconscious and unintentional part of our intuition. That Chapter 5. How to Understand More Deeply Edward Berger and Michael Starbird, authors of The Five Elements of Effective Thinking, believe that any subject or concept, no matter how complex they are, is just a combination of a few simple core ideas. The fundamentals always govern concepts all around us. This may seem overgeneralized, but think about it. Anything you learn comes down to just a few basics that made up your early education. Whether it was learning your sight words and multiplication tables, or how to ride a bike as a child, it opened up a whole new world. Suddenly, reading and math weren't so difficult and didn't take so long to work through. Riding a bike became as easy as, well, riding a bike, and created a whole new sense of freedom and mobility. But it all comes back to those core concepts which laid the foundation that enabled you to do more and more wonderful and challenging things as you continue to learn and grow. Once you've mastered the fundamentals, you'll find yourself leaning on those core concepts as you're presented with more difficult stages. This is true no matter the skill, whether you're learning to drive or cook or studying quantum physics. These skills will never leave you. They'll continue to be there to help you build and expand on your knowledge and abilities. In a way, this is like leveling up in a video game. The tutorial you have in the beginning may be simplistic, but it teaches you what buttons to push. Without that lesson, the rest of the game would be impossible. Those buttons are the core of everything you do in the game and will never change. The game doesn't get harder by adding more buttons. It merely asks you to use them in new ways. Mastering the combos is a matter of putting those button presses together in the right... Chapter 6. Reasoning by Analogy Hammer is to nail as blank is to hair. Chances are you've answered your fair share of analogy questions like this on tests throughout your academic career, especially if you went to school in the U.S. But have you ever wondered why? Research has found that the part of our brains we use to work out analogies may also be a core part of our creativity. This means that the ability to make and comprehend these connections might not just be academically beneficial, but can be used in our reasoning to come to new conclusions no one has yet tried. Analogies compare two unlike things to highlight a connection that may not be obvious, leading us to consider how dissimilar things have similarities. By strengthening this muscle in our mind, we can start to see how things are associated in our reasoning and lead us to better understand how concepts relate. Both skills are core concepts of critical thinking, which is why analogies are so often used when looking to test or improve our reasoning abilities. 
On the surface, analogies may all seem the same, but depending on the wording and items chosen, they can flex quite separate parts of our brain. For example, the analogy, a piano is to keyboard as a drum is to blank, has the solution of percussion. This type of analogy is most concerned with measuring a person's capability to categorize objects and is often found on simple logic tests. Often, in analogy tests, the purpose is to gauge how well the subject can draw connections between words and definitions. For example, the analogy, cultivate is to nurture as expectation is to... This has been How to Think Critically, Question, Analyze, Reflect, Debate, The Critical Thinker, Book 6, written by Albert Rutherford, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by Albert Rutherford. Production copyright by Albert Rutherford. More information regarding today's book and the author can be found at audible.com or amazon.com. Show notes and further information can be found at russellericnewton.com. With an eclectic collection of insights, knowledge, and trivia from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.